0: Tundra Talk is brought to you by Frontier Outfitters and Sentry Hardware, your locally owned source for hunting, fishing, and shooting gear in interior Alaska. They sell proven gear that'll tackle whatever Alaskan tasks you need it to, and Frontier always stays current with gear for the season. Whether you're baiting bears in the spring, fishing, camping, or dip netting in the summer, you're looking for game bags and moose camp gear in the fall, Uh, if you need to stock up on trapping lures or just get everything you need to go ice fishing, they've got you covered. They always carry a wide variety of Alaskan-proven clothing and boots, camping gear, meat processing supplies, guns, ammo, reloading and shooting supplies, as well as camping gear and backpacking food. Downstairs in Sentry Hardware, you'll find a full hardware store naturally, and uh, you'll also find your snow machine, ATV, and marine accessories down there. They go out of their way to stock plenty, plenty of quality, useful equipment. And whether you're gearing up for a hunting or fishing trip, working on a never-ending home improvement project, or anything in between, it's usually a one-stop shop. Frontier Outfitters is located on 3rd and Old Steese in Fairbanks, and they have a second location in North Pole, so make sure you stop in next time you need to gear up. This episode of Tundra Talk is also brought to you by Hedgecock Group realtor Rick Lindsay, a guy that can take care of just about any of your real estate needs in the Fairbanks area. Now, the Hedgecock Group has been in Fairbanks North Pole real estate market since the early 80s, and their service is tailored to meet the diverse needs of home buyers in interior Alaska. Now, Rick has lived in Fairbanks for a long time and understands a lot of the less obvious ins and outs of buying and selling property around here. You know, things like water holding tanks and permafrost and all that jazz. Fairbanks is a really unique place to live, and having a realtor that knows what to look for in a quality place can make all the difference. Rick's a Marine Corps veteran and will work hard to get you exactly what you need. And if you're looking to buy or sell real estate in the Fairbanks or North Pole area, reach out to Rick at 907-378-6780 and go check out his Instagram at R-L-I-N-D-S-E-Y 113 at R. Lindsay one thirteen. He's really a passionate outdoorsman. He's just like us. He's one of us. And he loves to share his adventures on there and he's got a pretty a pretty nice cranker of a RAM that I'm jealous of. So go check him out.
1: That's how you do it.
0: All right, welcome back to Tundra Talk everybody. I'm Tyler Freel. Excited to sit down. It's been a while in the making. It's been a while since your, your previous visit to the podcast, Mr. Pete Bust. And uh uh Temples who's
2: Finally able to
0: finally able to hit
2: Yeah. I hit I hit I hit I didn't hit snooze when my alarm went off this afternoon. <laughs> I turned it off, so I just I literally just woke up a few minutes ago.
0: No, it was funny, Temple, like because I we got that group text going, and I sent Temple, you still come coming Ugh. over today? And Frank says <laughs> said, you need said he's asleep. You need to check text him about two a.m. Yeah, but uh, no, we're all here, and uh, yeah, it's good to good to see you again, Pete. And now your book that you kind of you hinted at last time. Has come to fruition and it's been out been out for a little while. And I did, I I, my reading comprehension isn't great, but I did I did read it. It Well, that'll uh, work
1: because my writing comprehension (laughs) is.
2: Well, you can't trust them editors too much. I mean, it wouldn't have sounded like you if you did it too good. Well, the the a the plan was for it to be out uh, last fall
1: in Mm. October before I bailed for the winter. And it was not ready until after I was gone. Then I had to explain to my house sitters what I expected them to do with two pallets <laughs> oh, of books. crates crates of books <laughs> that are sitting in the in the driveway. <laughs> Luckily, I had left an empty pickup truck in the uh, in the garage, so they just opened the door. And but they did have to stack those uh, stack those books in the in the truck. But then. <laughs> Then I had to just mail some to where I was so I could start giving away to the poor people that uh, uh, helped me uh, take it from where I had it, which was one of the things I learned from writing a book is I'm a reasonably good storyteller. Mm -hmm. I am not a writer. I mean, I didn't even know there was such a thing as an Oxford comma, but boy, I do now. <laughs> so I, I had uh, six or seven different people uh, look at it from an English teacher point of view to get it to where an editor would like it. And uh, so I, I, I appreciate all the f- friends that I exploited to uh, get the thing going, and once I uh, once I started uh, mailing them out and dragging them around town, and and uh, going online and pimping them a little bit. It's, it's actually working out pretty good. It's a good thing I'm not depending on book sales and social security to buy food <laughs> oh God but I'm making gas money even in this economy. oh right? man yeah, so making gas, gas mon- money gas means money gas impressive. money means something a little yeah, bit when more when you're than driving the pickup a that, that, that means something these days yeah, Jeez. yeah. so that's he- been it's really been well received. And yeah. two, two two of the places that um, what I've done done really well uh, uh, moving copies of the book are on Trapperman dot com and on Bowsite. Both both those places a lot of people have sent me money, <laughs> and nobody's complained yet. <laughs> nice.
0: That's good. Well, I you know, I'm I'm I don't know. I didn't have too much trepidation. I figured you would do pretty well, but you, you know, it's better than. A, the other alternative standing on the, the corner adjacent from the guy with the gas jugs.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, and then you're holding your
0: book. You know, Temple knows the guy I'm talking yeah. about.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: But, uh, no, it's great. And I guess before we get too carried away, it's called, as you, you... I think you told last the last time you were on the podcast. I think we did the, dis- the, discuss the story that uh, yeah. From Whence Cometh the... Yeah, title. Me Caribou is on... <laughs> the book's called Me Caribou is on Fire. And... It's a fantastic st- I mean the the story of that you can't it's you just a, can't make it's that so up. funny.
2: It's so funny.
0: And it wasn't a muzzle loader it was a black powder cartridge oh, rifle. black oh, powder right? cartridge gun. Yes so, sir. I, yep. I told
2: the story as a muzzle loader last time I told it. My mistake. But it's my story. I can tell it anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh and and so people can find it on right now on tra- on Trapper Man well, Bosite, I've I've, po- you- I've
1: posted some stuff on Trapper Man and and site, but uh, the the best way to make me happy is to buy it directly from me, and either uh, uh, for twenty five bucks I'll sign one and dump it in the mail to you, and you either send send me a check for twenty five bucks uh, to uh, Pete Buse B U I S T. At post office box seven one five six one Fairbanks Alaska nine nine seven zero seven, or uh, even though I'm old, I have been introduced to the joys of Venmo. <laughs> and, uh, so if you go if you go on uh, Venmo, you can Venmo me what's left of twenty five bucks to, after they take their cut. Uh, to Clearwater Outdoor Services. And I've learned the hard way that if you just send it to Clearwater Outdoor, it goes to a uh, yuppie rafting company in Wisconsin. Well. So Clearwater <laughs> Outdoor Services is the correct place. you got to say the whole thing. Uh, yes, yeah. the whole thing. As I've learned the hard way. Oops. We got it, we got it straightened out. But, yeah, now, I mean, you can still get it the other ways i like got amazon and barnes and noble and, and that sort of thing but when one gets sold on amazon i get like 31 cents
0: and yeah.
1: I, I make i make more if you send me a check and then and i sign it and personalize it there you go
0: yep you get the you get the personal touch that way mine was signed twice
2: Yourself. I forgot the first
0: time. <laughs> oh, you forgot that he had signed it. So yeah, you had him so, sign it again. so I
2: brought it to. He was signing books at Mark Knapp's uh, Custom Dives. I bring it there, I'm, and I'm half awake because you know it wasn't nighttime. And he opens up. He goes, "Hey, I signed this already, dumbass. <laughs> s- sign it again." <laughs> <laughs>
1: But uh, people people look at it, and it, I mean, I I chose that title on purpose. One because it's the name of the, the first chapter in the book, but it, it it also I thought it was catchy. Oh, but it people is. People look mm-hmm. at it, and and they think, well, that sounds dumb, or <laughs> alternatively, or sometimes both, they think, well, jeepers, the first typo I see is on the cover. But um, <laughs> that that's that's how Aussies. Uh, pronounce my is they yep. pronounce it me yeah yep. and so i just put it on there it's working so far it works for me
0: and no, after well, all it's all about me yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no i i think it work i think it works well and you know with your kind of subhead subtitle on the book you know international adventures of an alaskan hunting guide then i mean it makes me want to find out what the hell story happened to to come up with that, so no, it's it's uh, I re- I really enjoyed the book and like the variety of stories too. That's mm-hmm. um, cool, you know. And there's a lot of because there's a lot of variety. There's a lot of different directions to go with. It. I had never heard the the Frauline on Beaver Creek story. <laughs> 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 oh yeah. Luckily, yeah. her her
1: her dad has passed away now. I'm not sure how he would take reading that story. <laughs> it was uh i mean the the whole idea was to to tell the stories that I normally tell around a campfire by the stove yeah um in a in a form that would hopefully entertain other people as as well and uh luckily at my age um when I can't remember what I had for breakfast last year uh this morning um I have kept journals and diaries of my trips for many, many years. I've Mm -hmm. got hundreds of them stuck away, and now they're all on a computer. I had some that were just typed out, and I've transferred them all to uh, electronic uh, now. But So I had the details, and uh, I just picked sort of an array of stories from different places in the world. But the the overall theme, if you will, is that I like to have a lot of fun when I go hunting. Yeah. I mean, it's not that I'm not serious about hunting or that it's a frivolous pursuit, but I like to have fun while I'm doing it. And, and one of the ways we do that is by joking and telling stories and spoofing on other people in camp and yep. and uh doing what we can to to keep chuckling and and particularly when when conditions get gruesome or you've just done something almost killed yourself it's good to keep it light and uh keep things in perspective
0: yeah I, and i don't know if that's a maybe it's just because the circle of people i run in are typically like that too out in the woods you know you, it's there's a, there's a point, to that, you know, I, I try, sometimes I fail, but I, you know, I, I've got to try to remind myself, you know, when shit's hard or stuff's not going the way you want to, you know, you can't, like, rather than stress out about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Might as well chuckle. Might yeah. Might as well chuckle. It's not that hunting and carrying firearms around and getting food isn't a serious thing. It's that, that it doesn't mean you can't have fun while you're doing it. Exactly exactly yeah
0: well like um and i don't know maybe i had said in the, in the last episode when we were talking about our moose hunt you know the oh. that first night when you know we got that bull that bull was coming in just fired up tearing stuff up and snorting and you could see him starting to come through the timber and you know and he was set up on his paddle right re- you know ready to go and after you know the, th- the thing it didn't work out but <laughs> afterwards sitting in the tent said you know, Hugh, I just don't think you were that excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> Say, holy shit, that was something else. Yeah. The video you
2: posted on Instagram—it looked like he was really calm.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, he yeah he was. I mean, I think he was just doing his thing, but he was breathing pretty good. Like he was getting in the zone, ready to ready to shoot that bull. But uh, um, which joking around, I like your sin, your sense of humor, Pete. <laughs> I, I totally forgot about it. And you Talk about joking, joking on the hunts, your bison hunt, where, oh. where the guy, the crow was with the crow guys. With the oh. crow, crow guy yeah. and hey. Southern Montana.
1: <laughs> and and they, they were all, they were all firefighters that I'd been, I, I didn't know them or know that I was on the same fires with them, but we'd been on a lot of the same fires together. And we were just, I mean, we were clicking. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they're, they they guide a few, you know, old fat white guys to Buffalo on that uh, on that reservation, but we were we were clicking, and um, and and they're great jokesters. I I got the impression that if they had the average client who was not having that good a time, mm-hmm. they would not have loosened up yeah. to that that degree and there were a couple of times that those guys just cracked me up um the the we're halfway up the mountain and a and a big six point bull elk jumped out and we're supposed to be on a on a buffalo hunt you know on the sacred grounds of the uh, of the crow tribe and them guys pile out of that truck and, and it sounded like the civil war they had all kinds of old rusty rifles shoved under the seat with scope falling off them and everything. And they must've, they must've put 20 rounds downrange. range. And never cut a hair on that. Oh, on that. They just pile back in the truck and, and on we go. And then la- later on, there was another, another guy with me, a local guy who had a permit to shoot a cow uh, for the church uh, to get some meat for needy folks. And, um, and I, picked out the bull I wanted and, and shot it, and it dropped. And he shot that cow in the ear, and down it went like a box of rocks. And the, the head guide from the tribe there comes over, and he says, boy, the way we're shooting this morning, he says, a good thing we're not playing cowboys and Indians. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I know I was on the inside with the, with the boys. <laughs> yeah. and the, the, other, the other thing that really – My funny bone was on the, they they had asked if they could have the soft parts from the (laughs) buffalo. And I said, sure, I wasn't going to air freight that shit back to Alaska. (laughs) And um, so we came to a a spring was a pipe coming out of the mountain. Somebody had driven a pipe into the rocks on the side of the mountain and water was coming in there pretty good. So they took 20 feet of buffalo intestine and one guy held it over the end of the, the pipe and washed shit out that way and then they turned around and put it on the on the other end washed it the rest of the way and i said oh what do you do with that he said well we cut it up and and uh sling the pieces on the on the fire and it gets crispy and and we eat them i said because um, i'd been asking him what the crow named for this and the crow name for that as you know i'm getting into the cultural aspects of buffalo hunting and um and uh, so i said well what do you what do you call that? And he says, uh, "Menudo." And I said, "Well, that's not crow. That's Spanish." I said, "Why why do you call it menudo?" He says, "Cause if, cause if we called it inside of the asshole, nobody'd eat it." <laughs> <laughs> them, them guys really they really have a a great sense of humor, and they and they loosened up when they realized I wasn't their average. Your average fat white guy didn't want to shoot a buffalo, <laughs> and it, uh, it was just—it was a great trip. I've learned a lot about crow culture and uh, the natural history of the uh, of the reservation, and and had a grand time, and and shot a a bull that was big enough to look like a trophy bull, and small enough that you could still cut the gravy. Yeah. Oh. And I, uh, it only cost me like 300 bucks to have the whole thing processed there in Hardin, Montana. And I just high graded out a few big boxes, 50 pound boxes, wet locks, and um, to ship back to Alaska air freight And, and the rest of the, you know, the burger and stuff like that. I just donated back to the tribe. I said, give it to, give it to old people and. The, uh, that and the smoked salmon that I brought for them. Uh-huh. I was their most, most favorite hunter for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, man. And then
1: two months later, I drew an Alaska bull permit. That was, yeah, I thought
0: there yeah, were, the, the, that, <laughs> that was a, ain't that
1: the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't eat anything but buffalo for uh, quite some time. And when I went down to Delta, I, I mean, I know a lot of those farmers down there because I'd worked during the land sale and, and so forth back in the 70s. I knew a lot of those farmers. I got permission to hunt a, a bunch of farms, and I shot it on somebody's farm that I that I knew. And But what I did was I, I purposefully did not shoot a big bull. My yeah. permit was for a bull, but it could be a little bull or a big bull. And I purposely picked out about a 20-month-old bull calf. Oh, my. And that was a, just the finest piece of meat I've ever – you can talk about sheep and elk and all that kind of stuff. That little bull bison was the best meat as ever graced my freezer.
2: Oh, man.
1: Bar none. Bar none. And I was, you know, a 20-minute drive from Delta Meat and Sausage. I just dragged <laughs> yeah. it over there, <laughs> flopped it up on the counter, and said, Jeannie, call me when he's done.
0: <laughs> oh nice yeah i i wouldn't mind well that that the old butcher boy out there has, has uh tony hollis's son had a tag last year and mm. he wanted yes he, he said we get we get one to you know, bring the backbone over and cut it up into oh steaks my. and i said oh yeah we'll." so <laughs> he gave me he gave me a couple of them and they were good
2: <laughs> yep man I got a meat saw last year, and all I've cut on it was a couple of caribou you didn't want to cut up. But holy smokes, what a game changer! Like cutting shanks and backbone steaks and the bandsaw? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh- yeah.
0: Oh, they're you know, even this caribou. Well, the caribou, caribou I shot this year just at. You know, everyone can get particular on how they like to cut meat, uh-huh. but, man, it can save a lot of time. Oh, man. Like, it's I would just... So quick. You know, like, with that caribou, the hindquarters, I just knocked them into rounds, and then I can pick what I want for steaks roast mm-hmm. and burger, you know, cut steaks out of the backbone. I mean, I've been probably told... I like using my saw so I talk about it frequently. <laughs> it's, the worst
2: part about it is cleaning the darn thing. Yeah,
0: and that's, that is really the thing's made really. to be stripped stripped down. It'd be nice yeah. if I actually had a well and a pressure washer. Yeah. Oh. To just blast the thing out, but I dad to replace the motor this year, the motor. I don't know what year my grandpa bought that thing, but in the 50s and the thing cut up. They lived in Lamita and had a whole butcher shop set up in the backyard basically and they'd go you know i think at least the story was <laughs> grandpa got one moose it was great if he got three or four it was even better <laughs> and they'd hang them all in there in the neighborhood over there in college and come over and cut moose and divvied up and but uh
1: is that how that area got its name L e m e a t.
0: Lamita, yeah maybe so there's some stuff that yeah that, that i'd never i don't know where Where that got its name, but...
1: You want to hear my favorite cleaning a saw story? Yes, I do. Oh, well, yeah, I I thought
0: you might. (laughs) Um,
1: I got a call one day from a uh, local outfitter here in town who uses horses on his hunts. And um, he said, uh, one of my horses died. Oh, He says, uh, would you like it for bear bait? I said, yeah, I sure would. He said, well... um, it actually died about a month ago. Oh. oh no! And it's a little bit frozen. Oh, well, frozen comes in pass fail. It's either frozen yeah. or, it's, or it's thawed. <laughs> and a, he didn't want it to thaw out, <laughs> and and so b, it was it was frozen solid in this little shed, and and it's not like he could just hook up to it with a chain and pull it outside, and I still wouldn't have any way to load it in the truck. I said, well, I'll just I'll just take a chainsaw, and I'll just Cut that, cut that poor thing up, and I and I did. I subdivided that. It wasn't a very big horse or donkey, or something. I don't remember what it was. Some four-legged creature. One of them equine things. Equine <laughs> things, and um, so I cut it up with that chainsaw, and then I just um, I just set that saw aside and forgot about it. Oh <laughs> no! Oh, and in oh, no. the spring, when my saw thawed out. <laughs> It had all kinds of blood and fat and bits of meat and everything all jammed up in around the, the clutch and everything and oh man it Ugh. was nasty. Whoa.
0: Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, sim- uh-huh. one time I I was working down at Clear and on the way one day driving by I happened to see uh it was a magpie, I think, sitting on a moose hoof sticking up out of the snow. <laughs> oh no. And I get to look at it and of course there's, you know, Fox tracks, coyote tracks around to go over there. It like, there's a whole moose here. So talk to this trooper and that trooper and this guy and that guy, and get a permit to use it for trapping bait. And I hooked up to it with my truck, drug it up to the edge of the road. And I had one of those, luckily it was one of those cheap home light chainsaws. <laughs> <laughs> and those moose do not freeze completely before they are completely rotten. No. And you want to talk? Yeah, you want to talk about the room stays a little warm <laughs> in
1: <laughs> spots. Yeah, Oof.
0: yeah. I think that saw just went in the garbage <laughs> after that.
2: <laughs> I got to open buckets or barrels in the yard one summer, and I'd I was trying to remember what I had where, and one of these had bait in it. It was quite a quite an assault when you open up something that you probably bucketed last summer and now it's the middle of summer and you're like what are these buckets oh that's what they're for oh
0: or later my my uncle jerry had a bucket that i don't know how many years that thing had been running but scraps and trimmings and stuff that would go it just go in the bucket and it got so bad it would never freeze oh keep working like sourdough. and so you know that that does fox lure you know you you carefully put on you have to wear two two sets of monkey face gloves you know handling anything that touches that stuff Uh and then well yeah it was potent good martin martin lure too but you just stick a little bit of that up in a dirt hole set or on the end of a stick if you're being Uh if you're trying to be extra sneaky and not have a visible set for people to steal yeah
2: man damn trap thieves
0: (laughs) (laughs) but uh one thing I noticed about your book, Pete, is you're a man who appreciates good grub.
1: Mm. Well, you can tell that by looking <laughs> at
0: me from the Which side. I, did, I feel rude. Do you guys want a beer? We got well, one kind. No, but, thank you. Okay. You want one, Temple? Yeah, for
2: breakfast. All right. Here we go. <laughs>
0: what the beer you had for breakfast wasn't bad so you have one more for dessert that's
2: right johnny cash is such a that's oh wait that wasn't johnny cash was it well or did chris he, christopherson, chris christopherson. It, but all the sure hey, guys sung it they all took turns singing
1: <laughs> that no i um i've i've, I've always uh, liked to cook and obviously like like to eat um when i was guiding i had a fellow actually a uh, was sort of my mentor from back east who's featured in the, in the book in some detail who uh, an Italian guy from New Jersey who really liked to cook and had retired from teaching uh, science in New Jersey moved down to Florida and had been cooking uh, teaching cooking at a community college down there and he was very good at it but he always wanted to be a camp cook, so I got a propane range and, um, and dragged it up and put it in a wall tent at our main mm-hmm. camp at Galbraith Lake and another camp at, um, at Happy Valley. And, uh, and he cooked and cooked and cooked, and um, he really uh, re- re- he was good at it. And we, I mean, it wasn't a huge camp, but we were feeding a lot of times 15 to 20 people. At a lick, That ain't and easy. Um, oh, whatever, whatever year that was back, probably in the late '80s, early '90s, when the the haul road washed out below Coldfoot and we all got stuck up there. Mm. There, we uh, a suburban full of guys pulled in and pulled up to our camp and uh, and uh, said, "Is this is this Pete's camp?" Yeah, I said, "Well, we heard up in Dead Horse that there's a a guy makes." Makes the best uh, uh, yeast rolls on the North Slope <laughs> works here. <laughs> so we let them come in and we fed them some rolls. And they they left bearing the same opinion. And, uh, yeah, Don was a Don was a great cook. Now, he's living in Florida, and he had to bring all his clothes with him that he owned when he came up to work <laughs> in the fall. And we ended up, finally, uh, we hauled an old Airstream trailer up there with an old heater in it. To keep him warm enough that he'd keep cooking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for us until the twentieth of uh, September when we when we came back south and boy it was uh, he he never took money I'd buy him airplane ticket to fly him up and he just loved being in camp
2: and man what a what an asset he Ugh. he made me look good <laughs> yeah. camp cooking is important yeah I, I got to where uncle dan loves to cook in camp man yeah he, he's good at it too it's good food and he didn't make it up the last couple of years and i'm like this sucks <laughs> i'm eating ramen and cup of noodles and hot dog <laughs> this is bullshit
0: <laughs> well we got like i mean we we've got our moose camp situation pretty frank and i'll trade off yeah making second breakfast which is the main meal of the day but uh yeah, and then after that, it's just snacks and sandwiches. Yeah. And then we did upgrade the Johnson from the Johnsonville brats. There's some several different cost brats that Costco has mm-hmm. that are because that's all we do for night after we get back. Walk back from camp. Walk back to camp at ten o'clock, nine thirty, whatever. Throw some brats on the wood stove, and nobody really feels like making dirty dishes at that no. point. But no, that and especially for a you know a guide or outfitter in that making food and making good food is it's a chore it's it's a lot more involved than
1: yeah i i tried for several years running the camp and being the cook and i just came to the conclusion that um, that was that was too much yeah for one person i'm worrying about all the other stuff whether the guy with the airplane is going to get back and how many out camps, we got to resupply tomorrow, and how many capes do I got to fled It just was more than one person could do. It's a lot and of the, logistics. But the best decision I ever made was getting me a camp cook, and getting that camp cook, because there was always coffee on. There was always rolls. There was always a pie or something yeah. to, mm. to eat, you know, and I didn't have to worry about it. I just had to stuff my face. Yep. Nice.
0: Yep. I, uh... And even, you know, it was, it was one thing you'll notice you read the book is you, you and that must have been a detail you wrote down in your, your, your diaries of your hunts and journal like is what you guys had to eat because you're very specific on a lot did, of those. I did that a lot that. of time.
1: But I, I, I mean, I was, uh, you know, I was proud like, I don't of remember. some of the stuff that we yeah. served too, you know, like. You know, surf and turf at the Johnson yeah. Glacier was grizzly steaks and uh, <laughs> shrimp Alfredo. Yeah, <laughs> you don't you don't get that when you're looking rooting no. around in a box of Mountain House. You no, know?
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no, I uh, and even the you know like your Africa trips. I uh, going over there. I wasn't sure what to expect. I mean, I'm pretty easy to please. There's a few things I don't really care for, but I didn't know what to expect going over there. And holy shit, it was like the promised land, steak and meat uh, and bread and <laughs> the food uh, over there was phenomenal. I've scrounged <laughs> up a
1: bunch of uh, uh, recipes and brought them back with me from uh, places I eat where, you know, them African people know how to cook. Boy, they they really know yeah. how to cook. But you probably find, find this amazing. But I have a funny story about uh, a, a cook who uh, spoke Afrikaans and not a lot of English, but enough to get along. And uh, my number two boy, who's not really my son, Peyton, was with me at this on this particular safari. And they would serve stuff, both at dinner and for breakfast, for that matter. And we weren't sure what it was. And, <laughs> and when you're in your own camp, you know, you stick your finger in it, you know, you lick it and you figure out what it, what it is. But when you're in somebody's kitchen in a you know a formal dining facility in an African hunt, that's generally thought of as a little tacky. Yeah,
2: sticking your finger in the community. So, yeah. So uh, Peyton uh, Peyton
1: comes out one morning and he looks into this stuff. It looked like uh, it might. It could have been gravy. It could have been any one of a number of things. Remember the the cook now has very limited grasp of English. But um, so Peyton looks over at uh, the cook and he goes uh, and he points at the dish. He says, "What's that?" The cook says, "It's yogurt, you moron." <laughs>
3: <laughs> so
1: then he put his finger in it and dried it, and sure oh, enough, that's, that's what funny. it was. And they, and they have odd names for that in in uh, from our the way we look at it. For example, uh, what we would call squash, they call pumpkin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, here right before Thanksgiving, somebody says I'm going to serve a, you know, a plate full of pumpkin. Is it? Well, no, thank you. <laughs> but pumpkin is what they call squash in South Africa. Learn something every time you go to the table.
0: Yep. Oh, no, it's fine. I remember getting you know duck eggs for breakfast every morning, and <laughs> you know they're big big old eggs and. Oh, it was I and they had some sort of fry bread. It was like a I think it was a, a fried bread oh, that was man. just heavenly. You could not yeah. There's not enough walking you could do on one of those trips to counteract to the amount of the amount of food you eat.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah, there's some good cooks in those in those safari outfits for sure.
0: Yeah, no, that was that was definitely definitely memorable to me, and was it your was it uh, eland you shot in the book up like seven thousand feet or something? Yeah, up oh that,
1: well, yeah. The the what was funny about that is I'm hunting eland is considered the the biggest antelope. It's plains game. Mm-hmm. And I'm huffing and puffing and realizing I'm at seven thousand feet. <laughs> what the so hell? How about we go back down on the plains if you don't mind? <laughs> and that little bushman kept telling me, "No, those Eland, they're up here." And uh, so we thrashed around for a while, and sure enough, there there they were. It was amazing to see something I thought, I expected to see down in, in the, the river flat valley. Yeah. And it, it's up in sheep country. Huh. It was it was pretty cool.
2: Is that the one that the the cowboys showed up for? Yeah.
1: <laughs> the, but the 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 bushman tracker kept explaining that usually those Elens stay in this little valley, he says, and there's cowboys on horses, they're going to ride through that pass up there later on in the morning. Well, we hunted and hunted and hunted. Didn't see any Elin. Didn't see any there. Finally, we saw some Elin. And and I, I kept telling my, my PH, I said, there's no cowboys out there. There's no horses up there, is there? And about 10 minutes after I shot that Elin, here come to the, the black Jean Autry and the black <laughs> Hopalong Cassidy <laughs> on these tough, tough little horses came over that pass. And sure enough, the plan was they were going to come over there and and ease those Elin down the valley past us, but we'd already got the job done by then. And so, uh, but then I thought, well, good, we got horses; we won't have to carry this thing off the off the mountain. And um, the uh, the guy got, got on the radio, made a made a call, and here's way down the valley. Here comes this old uh, tractor. Put 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 put. put. <laughs> put 15 guys that looked like a, like a a prison break. I mean, guys <laughs> missing teeth and half an ear going. I mean, some really rough characters. And they somehow got that tractor and trailer to within, no, oh, probably a half a mile of that Elan on some old sort of farm roads. So then they all went up there and subdivided it into pieces they could grab and carried it off a mountain. I was impressed. So if any of you guys ever want to go moose hunting you just call me <laughs> well, oh, you man. got 15 packers even an eland they make short work of it short man. work of it
0: that's one thing that impressed me was the efficient i mean and they're doing they're doing it every day all season so they're set up you know there's no screwing around you know, even just out with the Land Rover, a lot of the spot, most of the spies is like, yeah. Sometimes we've got to break something down and pack it out, but most of the time, we can get the get the truck to well, it. And
1: and a lot of times they don't they don't even gut them. They just cram a. I mean, I've seen a guy cram a Cape Buffalo into into the back of what looked like a Toyota pickup. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of buffalo hanging out to different sides and everything, but they they, well, they winched it in. And uh, you know the five or six guys helping to push on it, they got it in there and put the winch cable over it so it didn't come out on the way back. <laughs> and they and they t- and they took it back, but they they use all of it as mm-hmm. well.
0: Yeah, even you know I noticed the stuff I was shooting. Their tracker would take the stomachs and yep. lay them open and, yep. and dump them out Rinse and clean them out, and yeah. they. And they'd, you know, the soft parts, they'd eat them. (laughs) He he didn't didn't eat inside of asshole, though.
2: (laughs) (laughs) My cousin, when she lived in Fairbanks, she would get really mad at me for not bringing the stomach of the moose back. I'm like, go get your own. (laughs) 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 I'm I'm doing this by myself. That was before before the Uncle Dan days. I was usually by myself. And dealing with a moose by yourself is... Pretty stupid, but it wasn't going to stop me and I'm like, nah, I'm not bringing any of that back. That boat's close enough to sink in without that. Yep. that was the canoe days. ooh, yeah, that was rough. I got called upon to
1: rescue him during the canoe days. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's right <laughs> that was Erica called one more Eric called called my son Jason and said, um, temple was supposed to be at the landing at such and such a time. And I went down there and I waited for two and a half days and I, <laughs> and, and I got to go back to work. And uh, it was a very sad story. And, and, but Jason was happy to, to share it with me. And so, uh, so I said, well, I'll, I'll go down there with you. And we'll take a look around. I said, but I'm not going to drive a, a pickup all the way down to the Chattanooga there. We'll, uh, we'll go up we'll put two two four-wheelers on a um, on a trailer and pull them up to Murphy Dome with the with the truck and then we'll put the trailer on the behind one of the four-wheelers mm-hmm. and go down in case he shows up we'll we'll be able to bring the canoe back up to the, the road and so we motored on down all the way down to the to the river and it was obvious that temple had been there <laughs> because there was a canoe stuffed full of a dead moose, and it was his canoe and obviously his his moose, but he's gone, and he hadn't been there when Erica was there looking for him, yeah. so we figured he was close by, and he was. He uh, waited until we had loaded the canoe and, <laughs> and the moose on the trailer. <laughs> and then he came strolling out of the brush. He'd been over having coffee with some guy that he'd just met. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so when we went back up to the truck. <laughs> yeah.
2: I missed three or four sharp tailed grouse on the drive back with the 22. That was, yeah. <laughs> that was miserable. That most nearly cut that canoe in half lengthwise, dragging the keel over the rocks. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was sinking. Yeah.
0: Well <laughs> plastic or aluminum. That was
2: uh that was a fiberglass
0: blue oh, bastard fiberglass. canoe. Oh, so.
2: I still got it in the yard. I'm thinking of making a garden bed out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: That's the best thing for best thing you could do with a canoe. They, well, Although uh they make good for dragging behind the four wheel dragging moose meat over <laughs> through swamps behind the four wheeler. <laughs> but yeah, I never
2: I like canoeing. I like it. It's a, it's a fine way to to quietly float down the river and fish and hunt. But uh, you, unless you've got a plan, so for... so is a
0: four stroke. <laughs> that's true.
2: That's true. But as if uh, if as long as you've got a plan for how you're either got someone at the yep. takeout down river or a way to push that thing back up the river. I ain't like the old-timers. I'm not lining a canoe back up river. You know know what's kind of neat about canoes and
1: and kayaks and that sort of thing is if you're in an area where everybody hunts with a riverboat, for example, Mm -hmm. um, if you've got a canoe to bring with, Mm -hmm. then you can go places where the guys in the riverboats are not going to go and and into places that they didn't look at. Mm -hmm. and if you've got aerial photos or you now i guess you young guys use google earth <laughs> you can see where the beaver ponds and stuff are that are on the side of the river and you know well three more bends down here and on the right there's a big a big beaver pond or something on the, up on the side you can go check that out and uh, with a canoe or a or a kayak you're better poised to to get something than the guys who just went by in a river boat or floated by in a raft mm-hmm. or, or or something like that. That's, that's what I don't like about raft trips, particularly on some of the more popular rivers around here, is uh, non-residents, residents, whoever it is, they're expecting to see a moose that looks like it jumped off the, uh, the uh, September calendar picture, yeah. mm-hmm. standing on the side of the, the uh, uh, river, and they don't hunt. They just float and think they're going to see something, and a lot of times they're sorely
2: disappointed. Yeah, they might, but, yeah. Oh, yeah, you might, but
1: if you if you float and you make a camp and you climb up on the hill and spend a couple days glassing, yeah. you probably do better. Yeah. Probably do
0: better. I'm not going to add any commentary because I don't know how to kill moose anymore.
2: <laughs> Man, I feel the same damn way. What a... Two years now, I ain't got one, and uh, it's just. I, I suppose you
1: don't feel too bad that within a half a mile of
2: your house, yeah. me and Peyton shot one one night. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I sure. Well, I shot one half that distance from my house when I yeah, drew the same yeah, tag. Yeah, you know, it just uh, <sighs> gonna have to get over it. <laughs> I'd, I'd
1: had a I'd had a chemo treatment that day, and I felt like crap. Ugh. And it was about eight thirty, and I said to Peyton, "We, we were driving. We were putting two hundred miles a day on the truck, just driving around Fairbanks looking for, for a cow, yeah. for him to shoot with a bow." About eight thirty, I said, "Look, I, um, I'm pretty serious about taking a hot shower and finding a soft bed." Let's go home. He said, okay. well, just we were coming up the old Steece. He says, just turn go across hagelbarger and we'll we'll get down uh, bennett road and 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 you'll be home and and we'll call it a day five minutes later <laughs> there's a cow standing right on the side of the road there's a, a, a in the on two vacant lots and a vacant lot over here, and uh, everybody knows you should never take a frontal shot with a bow on a moose. But at nine yards, you really can't. Yeah. I mean, you can see the top of the sternum. Yeah, and he did, and he buried that arrow in her, and she was dead in less than ten seconds. And there was a there was a, a blood trail about two three feet wide <laughs> going across the road. Oh, jeez! I said, Peyton, you need any help tracking that moose? No, he said, I think I got it. <laughs> and that moose dropped. Ten or fifteen feet from the from the side of the road. Oh, perfect! And then it was dark. Oh, not perfect. Mixed bag. Mixed bag. So we called Jason to come help us, and we had three flashlights and a bunch of knives. But nobody got cut. We got it all done by by eleven thirty. Moose was in the truck, and we were gone. And nobody called the cops. You'd think right on the side of the road, <laughs> yeah, in town, <laughs> somebody would call the cops. But I had a story ready. I was going to say, well, somebody hit a moose here. Yeah. <laughs> We're
2: just we're just we're, taking we're care of it. T- we're taking care of
0: it. No, I well, the, I don't know if you ever met Jeremy. He'd been on the pod. Jeremy Heifel. He he, but he he's been on the podcast before. But he had shot. It was his first animal he killed with a bow. Was his mo- cow moose, same tag. And he texted me one day, or, and oh, I just got one. And nowhere where are you at? Well, and he was totally legal. You know, farm. It was a spot in Farmers Loop. Oh, I, was oh, I like, remember that story. I was like. Make sure your cut your tag is cut. Have your license on you, because you will the, have because, a visitor. <laughs> because the troopers will show up, and they did. <laughs> but you know, always, always good. Yeah. Well, Pey- Peyton had his paperwork
1: in order, but the the best part was he moved to Idaho two years ago, and he still put in for the for the <laughs> permit. The best part was I picked him up at the airport, drug him over to Sportsman's Warehouse, and he went in and bought. A uh, non-resident hunting license oh. and a moose locking tag, yeah. <laughs> nine hundred and sixty bucks. You gotta be you gotta be sure you're gonna get one. Yeah, yeah. at that price. But <laughs> he's cutting some corners. He's staying at Petey's bed and breakfast and driving <laughs> Petey's truck. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we got a moose in three and a half days, so it worked out.
2: Where do you put the locking tag on a cow? Through the ear? Cut well, you know, through?
1: I asked that same question just because I wanted to see what the lady at the at the sporting goods place would say, and, and she she didn't go for it. But um, we decided since if a fish cop appeared on the seam, he was going to want to see proof of sex anyway. Put it right through, we right through. Put it right through the old coochie. <laughs> <laughs> that makes and sense. And had that skinned out but still attached to that yeah. hind quarter. Uh-huh. You know, usually I leave a testicle on each side. Well, that wasn't an option with a cow moose. But right. I just put the locking tag through there, and uh, we're good to go.
0: That makes good sense. That's told. what I do with, blo- with blo- bears. Yeah? If I shoot a, I shoot a sow, just huh. lock her up right through there.
1: Well, that it's it's sense. easier than pawing over a you know half-frozen bear hide looking for that particular yeah. piece that of
2: real estate sense. on a bear hide, too. Yeah, so. makes good sense
0: yep i uh another book book thing i couldn't i was pretty shocked that had to be quite the, the long agonizing journey when you got got uh when they tried to blow you up in oh. australia <laughs> having to get all the way because you didn't have surgery you, did you oh. just surgery in anchorage or fairbanks
1: was it that came came back i i would have had s- surgery uh well, make a long story short for for those who haven't read the book or but who or soon will be. Yeah. Um I I had a a rifle explode on me in uh, when I was uh hunting kangaroos at night in <laughs> Australia. <laughs> Apparently God was not happy with me shooting <laughs> the, the national emblem of Australia and uh, decided to get even and um it was a it was apparently it was a squib load and the primer uh ignited and moved the uh, uh moved the projectile about halfway up the barrel and then the what little powder was in that load ignited and gotcha. it blew the oh. side of the rifle off and into my into my eye. Oh. So I'm 4 hours from a paved road. Um or so they said. I had no idea right. where I was um, in the snowy mountains where they, they made that uh, that movie about the wild horses down
0: there, <laughs> and um, it wasn't really kangaroos. he was shooting at horses. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> and um, one of and, them things.
1: I, I look like somebody's you know beat me over the head with something, and um, so we we went to a um, we went to a little clinic. A little rural clinic, and and they recoiled in horror because they didn't do eyeball stuff. Yeah, and um, then got to a hospital the following day, and they got kind of goofy about it. And I ended up going to the Royal Victorian Eye Hospital in Melbourne. Um, by this time, and nobody had actually done anything for my eye. They just gave me a bunch of pain pills and slapped me on the ass and sent me to the higher headquarters. And um, so I finally, I, I talked with those people for a while and I talked to my own eye doc back here in uh, Fairbanks and I decided to come back and have the, have, I needed surgery um, to get the bits and pieces out of my, uh, out of my eye. I had uh, pieces of walnut from the stock. I had bits of uh, brass from the, uh, what was left of the cartridge and bits of burned gunpowder all embedded in yes. my eye and i i couldn't see anything out of out of my eye Ugh. and um and so i i came back and um it, interestingly um if you're an experienced eye doctor such as myself you know there's a <laughs> a a, uh, a list of things well there's two lists they have a list of if this is stuck in your eye it's got to come out if this is stuck in your eye It's okay to leave it. Mm -hmm. I was not aware of that before, but um, I'm well aware of it now. And so it ended up they had to take the walnut splinters and the brass out. Mm -hmm. But for reasons known only to scientists, um, it's okay to leave burned gunpowder in there.
3: Interesting.
0: Uh, And
1: so it's still in there. Ugh. But I, I came back. I was going to have surgery here in Fairbanks, but the uh, the only guy who was uh, uh, qualified to do that was salmon fishing, <laughs> and, uh, and so I flew to Anchorage and had the surgery, and it ended up having the surgery like six weeks after the accident. Oh, my. That was six well, weeks of pain like you cannot imagine. That just sounds well. terrible. It was gruesome. And um, so uh, it was... Uh, It was the end of May, I think, before I had the surgery, and uh, they put a whole bunch of little tiny stitches in my eyeball, and those Mm. stitches stayed in until September. Mm. And one of the things I learned is when you have stitches in your eyeball and you're uh, going on fire assignments and you get smoke in your eyes, that makes it worse.
2: Oh. (laughs) Oh, that's uncomfortable.
1: And I ended up getting back... 2020 vision even, oh. at, even after all that yeah so very very lucky
0: yeah boy unreal. and that
1: and that's the basis for the chapter the aussies try and blow me up <laughs> <laughs> i did have some fun when i went back that was in 2007 i went back two or three years later and i mean those guys to their credit they felt bad about it because it was one of their handloads that blew up Oops. and almost killed me and um and I kept reassuring him, you know, I've had the surgery, my insurance paid for it, it's okay, don't feel bad about it, and everything. But I figured, you know I'm going back. I could have some fun with this. <laughs> <laughs> so when I got off the airplane, I was wearing big sunglasses. <laughs> And and I had one of those white and red canes <laughs> going like this, doing my best Stevie Wonder imitation. <laughs> if I could have borrowed a German Shepherd, I would. <laughs> and those guys just about shit. It was fantastic. Oh, man. It was ben. great. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, might as well have fun with it. You
2: gotta. You got Because
1: by the time three years went by, it wasn't painful anymore.
2: Yeah, you mm. can laugh about all mm. kinds of things when it stops hurting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> nice. Now I've got some cataract issues in that eye that are that are not uh, not unrelated to that oh. uh, mess, so I'll take care of that in the springtime when I get back.
0: Yeah, yeah. but at least yeah, like you said, all, all things considered, man, it's a
2: fortunate. <clears throat> that could have come out very a lot worse. Fortunate. Yeah. Yep.
0: You know, it's pretty I don't know if it's incredible that you can shoot as many gun, <laughs> as many rounds of ammunition to, and not have anything happen. If that's a feat, you know, amazing. But it's like, that goes to show what a, yeah, well, we certain, all, a combination of events, because it takes a lot to blow up,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, blow up a yeah, gun. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it was a well-made, it wasn't something that some guy put together in his basement, yeah. um, you know, that, that there was something wrong with it. It was a, you know, it was a, you know, a regulation made in the factory, shouldn't have been anything wrong with it rifle but um
0: whew, yeah weird stuff happens when yeah when you get well the, everybody the wears
1: everybody wears safety glasses at the range right mm-hmm. but do you wear them while you're hunting no of course not no you're shooting the same rifle yep guess who wears them while he's hunting now <laughs> oh yeah that'd be me no yeah. and,
0: and really i if it's sunny i, I usually wear have sunglasses on mm. but that's not a lot of that's not a lot of what? Well, and it's it's not a bad idea even to just wear clear glasses in the woods in general. Think all yeah. the bushwhacking you do, and all it takes yeah. is one one stick or like man. our 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 but Florida resident resident buddy Nick. Oh yeah, riding a sled a couple of years ago, you know, the
2: ski just broke a twig and threw it up in his eye near Duh. behind him. Yeah, Nick
0: Mookie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Or cut cut across his eye. Yeah, cut across his, uh, yeah, cut across Whoa, his or something. Yeah. It was, it you know, rough. I think he's he. He did get it get it back, but I mean, just one freak tiny little thing or fishing, uh-huh. you know, sharp hooks flying. Oh around. man,
2: I hooked myself with a fly rod, but good one time, and this was before I started pinching barbs. I started pinching barbs after that. Whacked <laughs> myself right in the ribs. Oh, and I couldn't get, I couldn't pull it back out though the way it went in yeah. because of the barb. So I went home and started taking some, you know, home home anesthetic whiskey, <laughs> the liquid form. Yeah, and and I'm like, yep, nope, that ain't backing out. Yep, nope, I better have another <laughs> shot. So eventually, I decided ain't gonna back out, or I'm too much of a wimp to just give it the real yank it deserves. So I started pushing it forward, and I had to nick the skin to get the tip out, oh. grab it by the pliers,
0: cut that off. Yeah, one time we. Uh... I don't know, I was probably nineteen or so. My dad and one of my brothers and one of my sisters we went camping camping up north and we were camping at the one of them Jim River. There's a I think it's the third one. Anyway, sitting there and woke up and my little brother was doing some fishing and he comes we're cooking breakfast. He comes walking over holding his fishing pole Dad, I got a hook stuck in my head. He turns around, <laughs> and that Mep spinner's just dangling from Ooh. the back of his head. <laughs> So I had to put him in a headlock, and we—dad got his Leatherman, and yeah, you know, just had to do it.
2: There's ways. to, I mean, if I'd had somebody, someone with a good with pliers or something, tell me, all right, on the count of three, we're yanking that back up. One,
0: out. two, whack!
2: <laughs> One, bam! It probably would have come out, but I'm do. I'm trying to do this to myself, and I'm yeah. just a little bit of a wuss.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, skin's
2: tough, too. Yeah. Even human skin is tougher than you think it ought to be, and you're just like, what the hell? Why won't this hook go through that? <laughs> Did you have much trouble getting back behind the rifle after that, Pete? You know, I uh,
1: imagined that I might, and uh, being a... Uh, subscriber to the the uh old adage you need to get right back on the uh-huh. horse when you get bucked off um even with my eye all bandaged up and everything within two days we we were back in uh naruma and i said dan let me borrow a 22 or something and start yeah and start shooting it and i went from the 22 to uh something like a 243 or something mm-hmm. like that and then i um I never shot another three hundred eight again, but yeah. um but I, I was I was back shooting a, a three hundred before I left Australia. With so. your other
2: hand with the other side.
1: Well I just with my you yeah, i just generally pointing it down uh, Because I was afraid that I would be I would have a world class flinch for yeah. the rest of my life if, you if didn't I, work if I out didn't do that. Yeah. 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 And I so I did that on
2: purpose. Yeah. There's some things you ought to yeah, that was. Mm. No, I still can't hit
1: anything, but it's. Not. <laughs> but <laughs> not you can make I'm them flinching. go bang, yeah. Not because I'm flinching. You yeah.
2: know, <laughs> Man, about the worst PTSD I've I've had, you know, living the sheltered life I have, was when I totaled my wife's car, on Farmers Loop. you yeah, well, you just afraid she was going to hurt you? Well, there was that. <laughs> there was that. But she came out good. She got a she got a car nearly ten years newer after that. So. <laughs> So, the next time I was going to work in in the truck because that car was in the shop, I'm going around that same curve, and I'm like, <laughs> hyperventilating. Yeah. I'm like, you, you're, I'm 20 under the speed limit. What's gonna happen? No, I and it it every that, time I go around that curve. Now I still think, yep, this was the
0: spot. There's there's yeah there's some to that. will spot um, the only serious wreck i was in you know i i was fine i had my my, my oldest son was like maybe just turn one you know had him in a car seat in a oh, truck man. and we were going to see santa claus like at noon and um coming in farmer's loop to university and got on university right when the sun's right below the stoplights oh so yeah that's the hard part just of super the day slick right day and Going and I can all I can see is the tail lights of the guy in front of me, and all of a sudden they come on and he starts doing this, so I'm just you know just boop 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 you know tapping the brakes trying to get her slowed down. There's a car any anyway ended up hitting him, glancing over into oncoming oh. traffic, got hit coming that way, and ran right up to the well they they I saw they tore it down, but the old bus stop
3: uh-huh. that was
0: there yeah where they have that walking bridge that pill piling was crooked because of my truck. Oof. And you know, thank goodness everyone was okay. No one got hurt. But man, that rattled me. Well, thank goodness pretty good. we're
1: smart enough to drive trucks,
3: pickup yeah. trucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, I, it would have been a different story if if uh, it, I'd been driving the Tesla.
2: Oh man!
0: <laughs> but uh, no, it, it t- yeah, it took a little while. But I remember, yeah, I remember. Spots have a little fender benders, or you know. Spots I've run over, I've slid and run over signs in the media. Oh, jeez! And I always hold my breath when I'm going by spots of my bro- My boat has broken down. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, broke down boats suck. That's miserable.
0: Yep. So you, you said you had a few additional stories, too, that were well, like I, bonus I'd material. Well, I thought of some
1: things that, uh, that might be interesting and... Um, one of the ones that uh, came to mind was um, it's related to both hunting and uh, the idea of rank in the military. And, um, you know, I never got very far in the military. I was a draftee and a you know common enlisted swine. And, um, but uh, a friend of, friend of mine who was a guide here in town for many years, dead now, told me about guiding four military guys— out at uh, Wood River back in the in the fifties, and um, he said they uh, they hunted two or three days, and it was just him guiding these four military guys. He said and there was a there was a uh, a colonel, and a captain, and a sergeant major, and a sergeant E five, and um, so they finally got up on a on a on a bunch of sheep, and um, and there, and. It it was all rams, and back in the day, it was three-quarter curl uh, was the minimum size. And uh, he says uh, he got those guys all laid down and and pointed in the right direction, and they commenced to laying down a withering field of fire. (laughs) So there was white sheep with red spots running everywhere. (laughs) And um, so he finally opened up and uh, made sure there was four dead ones. And uh, he's thinking, well, nobody knows who killed what. (laughs) I know where this is going. But but the way it turned out, the the 41-inch rim belonged to the colonel. (laughs) And the next smaller one belonged to the captain. And then the sergeant major got the next one. And then the smallest one belonged to the sergeant E-5. And that's how rank works. <laughs> but not not one of those guys killed one of those sheep. They just they they put holes in them, but didn't uh, didn't get them. And mm. he he loved to tell that. Uh, that story. <laughs> I just always wished I'd came on that many rams in one bunch, Man. especially with a forty one
0: incher in it. You know, goodness that, gracious, uh, must
1: have been a while ago in twenty A.
0: Which that, uh, yeah, I. Uh... I think, well, the one ram I've killed in 20A, which was that one, there was 27 rams. I'll be darned. Yeah. A bunch of them. They, initially, I'd seen a handful, and then by the time I got over them, there was two big bunches of them. And him and another double-broomed one that from 200 yards above them, I couldn't tell which one was bigger. And I was getting nervous <laughs> that this was working out too perfectly, so I better <laughs> just pick one and shoot. But... Uh, <laughs> That also, uh, oh, that reminds me while I was showing you this rifle that, I don't know, did I show you this? My, it was with this rifle that my uncle, Jerry actually killed his, uh, 40, I think he was almost 41 when he killed it in his house. But that made me, that story reminded me, his story killing that one he was with, his, his uncle was along with him, sheep hunting up in the brooks, and they, uh.
1: I played with it before. Okay. It. They While got, we were waiting for you to wake up.
2: Yeah, uh, for, I was on Indian sites. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it, but I didn't know how.
2: It's, it's better coming out of the it's native guy, right? out of
0: your mouth, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we... Village standard yeah. time. <laughs> so his uncle was sheep hunting with him, and they got on this big bunch of 30-some rams. And um, his uncle, at the time, I mean, it was like in the 80s, I think, or 90s... Um had a scope that would the way he explained it it would actually like elevate as you turned up the power. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case or what, but he said that my they picked out the biggest RAM in the bunch and Jerry said he got on well, that three hundred H and H got on the on the second biggest one that he could see and and his uncle, I think it was Uncle Johnny, missed him. And then all pandemonium. Jerry said the ram he was aiming at jumped and he missed. Then he said all of a sudden the ram came scooting out from a rock right below him. So <laughs> he, he just picked up and just saw you know horns and shot him right in the back of the you know mm. you know right in the right nape of the back neck. of the neck there. Yeah, and uh, and that was uh, yeah he was almost forty one. But yeah, big bunch of rams and. You know, the if, uh, biggest ones got tw- away.
1: 20A <laughs> is kind of a train wreck now for sheep just because of all the activity out there. But as late as about, I think, 1986, I, it wasn't a paying customer. Some guy I traded a hunt with, a guy from Montana, um, uh, he took a, um, with me, took a, a 14-year-old ram.
0: Wow, that's an old Uh, one for there. there.
1: Now it was it was broomed back to a little over thirty eight, but it was a magnificent sheep. It looked like a bighorn. Oh, I'd shoot a a thirty eight. Oh, rather than something with lamb tips, I'd I'd take that one every time.
0: No, fourteen years old. Wow, that's incredible. Anytime, yeah, anytime you can get one that old, it's just impressive. Yep. What did
2: what did its teeth look like at fourteen?
1: It was missing some. Yeah, it would. It didn't have a lot of time left on this earth, for sure.
2: Man, really them, nice ram. Them old critters are cool. Yep. They the way they develop character and s- scars. Like and, old guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I aspire to you know reach that that stage at some point in my life <laughs> as well.
0: Do you even? Have, well, you do have some gray hair in your
2: beard. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a little bit vain about it. I don't know why. I'm like, there is no gray.
0: Get some Grecian formula or whatever. <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm all, I'm, just for men. So I'm, I'm vain about the existence of any hair that isn't black or brown on my head. And I'm too proud to go get that crap. So I sit in this <laughs> middle ground where I just, I'm angry about it. Just deny it. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. deny it. <laughs> yeah.
0: I've been told I have a white, a white hair or two. Yeah.
2: I don't believe it.
1: Yeah. I got some if you need some. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, at least you still got a full head of hair, Pete.
2: Indeed. I uh, yeah, there's that. I few years back, I noticed a change in my hairline. It used to be round right <laughs> around my forehead, right. <laughs> I got corners
0: a few years back. So I'm oh, like, I got the corners. Yeah. It looks better. That looks good on you. though.
2: Well, so so I'm like, I I fight myself like I should grow my hair out a little while it's still thick and there. But then I gotta deal with longer, thicker hair. I'm like it's a What a mess. It's a Some, curse. some it's first a curse. world
0: problems right here. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well the other day my son's asked, you know, all the things kids ask you. How old are you when you start to grow beards? I was like, Well most most people maybe Maybe 13, 14, you probably 20. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not going to get a whole one. I had a goatee in the eighth grade. Yeah, you're one of them guys. Cardboard birth certificate written in crown. Yeah.
2: I am 12. Yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> first year of high school at Mount Edgecombe, I'm sitting at the table like a regular kid. And I didn't learn this till later, but all my classmates are coming into class like, why is the teacher sitting at one of the kids' tables? And then the teacher walks in, she's this little slinget lady who looked 12, and I've looked older than her. It was just, it was funny.
0: That's funny. Well, I feel like you've, you've had a good medium. I've
2: finally, I've gotten to the age I look in the last (laughs) few years. Yeah. 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 So, Pete, the, um... The evolution of trapline transportation. Yeah, what, uh, I was ju-
0: I was just picking through the the story of the long Tannenoff the off Flats long walk.
1: Yeah, I got two <laughs> yeah. two death marches oh. immortalized in the book.
0: Uh huh.
1: Um, yeah, I I started out running dogs. Uh-huh. Um, I uh, I ran six or seven dogs for over fifteen years trapping on the Tannenoff Flats. Now there's not a lot of hills and mountains and everything up there. It worked out pretty slick, but I spent a lot of time snowshoeing trails for dogs to run on. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and I had about eighty miles of line on the on the flats. And and you know, with a backyard trap team, you can't do that in a day and get no. any work done. So I'd take two or three days to get around and i had tent camps and stuff and then i finally upgraded to uh to having a, a snow go and um and i've never been much of a mechanic i but i i ran elands for many years and then um and then uh actually the first decent long track was that long track tundra now that your boy has yeah and
2: um, they love that thing
1: uh, and it's great for that, but i I mean, I hauled logs with that, that's why the track wouldn't stay on, or why I was getting frustrated with it but it's it's perfect for for the kids but, uh,
0: well, and using elands for years say some says something uh, about i guess it's what you're used to, I mean, my uncle talked about, oh, yeah, run we'd run our martin line, you know after I I took over for a few years and older, kind of reopened up an old line of his that hadn't been touched in decades. But he, uh, <clears throat> oh, yeah, well, you know, when we get some snow, I'd have to snowshoe the trail so you could get up the hill with the E-Land. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, I, I did it for a little bit with old Beater 340. Or is it the 380, the Scandic, the old Oh, old so Scandic. there was a
2: 380 Scandic. 380, yeah. There Not was. a 340.
0: 340 is like a Polaris motor. Yeah. Um and that one would do okay and then you know some mix it in with a at a at a tundra mm-hmm. long track and it did pretty well except i'd have to leave my wolf gear at the top of the hill when i'd go down in the valley so that and you then i'd have to run up. alongside the machine all the <laughs> way back up
1: well seeing a you know a six foot four fat man running to E-land that, the that's gotta be funny stuff but you know they were simple. They were, you know, they were easy to, to work on. They they ran and ran and ran. You know, occasionally you'd end up sucking a bunch of snow into the carburetor and have to thaw it out. But I carried a torch for that. Yeah. And uh, you know the old Tillotson carburetor, easy enough to rebuild every year if you wanted to do it. It was just no big deal. And you could take them apart and stuff them in a Super Cub and and um, and fly it out to the line.
0: Yeah,
2: I picked up an eland this fall mm. from J.R. Peterson. He had a he had a fleet of them. He was he was moving for a lady whose trapping husband had passed, and uh, I sat on that thing. I am not. The ten-year-old child that grew up on a knee land no more. Holy! I, I didn't write it
1: sitting down. I I wrote on my knees. That's why yeah. I, my knees are shot now because mm-hmm. there used to be a little glacier on each <laughs> yeah. on each knee. They were they were frozen and you know cranked up like that. Uh-huh. It take me a half hour to learn how to walk again. Yeah, but man, it's a it's a it's a reliable machine. Yeah, Simple. there's some said,
0: machine. you know and like old two-stroke outboards the stuff that the simpler it is the the narrower the the fixes are when stuff yeah. goes wrong
2: yep it doesn't mean they aren't moody you got to you got to sweet talk the damn thing to start it otherwise you flood it and it's you know they develop a personality and you learn how to how to dirty talk them to make them start well maybe if you did develop a personality <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: yeah yeah <laughs> And that that damn Viking I got, I mean, it's an old Viking. It's a 09, the VK Pro, yep. the Yamaha big-ass four-stroke wide-track pig. It's wonderful when it starts and isn't stuck. <laughs> it's comfy.
0: And when it's not raining on you? Or-
2: oh, the, the, the heated seat that they sell as a gimmick. It's got a heated seat, Pete. It's a heated seat. So you can make water. Right. Yeah, right on your balls. <laughs> That's a great thing at ten. Well, mm. uh, at certain, colder than a certain temperature, it, the seat stays dry. Warmer than a certain temperature, every it stays all, wet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thank you. No, I.
0: No. Yeah. Uh, well, unfortunately, it's not the greatest market right now for. No. <laughs> what's funny is genuine value. Those tundras are probably worth more now. Definitely worth more now than they were brand new.
2: Yeah, if even even without today's ridiculous inflation of everything, it's you could probably sell a Tundra now more for more now than when when Campos last sold them.
1: I don't remember what I, for example, what I paid for that uh, for that Tundra, but I know my first Elan cost less than nine hundred bucks. <laughs> that was yeah. brand
2: new. No, our, brand our, new.
0: I remember back when they right before they quit making them, just being in, in and out of compels. I remember they were something like twenty, four hundred bucks. Yeah. Before they quit making them, and now I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't even not all all current situations considered. I mean, three grand for a good yeah. one in good shape running. Yeah. If as long it, as you find parts for them, you can keep them going.
2: Yeah. Uh, and you can you can do that as a simple village mechanic, and not not to denigrate that some of them guys are really good. <laughs> but like, you, you can do it without a computer. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to be a, a technician. You can if you can work a socket wrench and a crescent wrench, and maybe the odd circlip tool. You you can keep an Elan going.
0: Yep, it is the. It is almost the season for that. I've, I haven't wo- I haven't woken the beasts up yet. But <laughs> me either. I'm not ready. I
2: still got a whole bunch of stuff to move out of the plow's way. Like I th- just life gets in the way. I of broke
0: the, Yeah, it does. I broke in the plow. The boys
2: get the firewood put up. They did. They did. They did eventually stack it, which is why they got to play hooky last week to go duck hunting and beaver hunting. Because that changed this year. I didn't realize it. And I've been telling people, you better check where you are because uh, you can't be shooting beaver in some places it's statewide now. Statewide you can, now. Yeah, you that's... can trap them with a rifle or bow and arrow. So we they got to play hooky one day last week because they did their chore and we went floating around and we didn't see one beaver, not one grouse, not one duck. We whacked a couple of squirrels that are in the freezer that are going to end up in the pot. But, uh, man, it was just, it was a beautiful day, but we didn't Pete's see Beats going nothing. to school. It sure does. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> I saw a cow moose and a bald eagle. That's about it. She did not like the sound of aluminum. Scraping across gravel, we found a shallow spot. <coughs> <coughs> Bam! Straight away. Okay.
0: Yep. So, any big any big plans for the you're you're heading down south for the winter? Do You got any, any big trips the winter. this winter?
1: I um, I trap coyotes and coons back east. Coyotes are worth about twelve bucks, unless you trap them on a. Uh, uh, hunt club where the guys want to get rid of coyotes Mm -hmm. in which case they are somewhat more valuable yeah and uh so yeah i'll do that and shoot some deer and be back in the spring and then um both boys are going to africa with me in june yeah but i do not feel
2: the need to write another book (laughs) (laughs) you gonna come back after turkey hunting or are you gonna make a trip back for turkeys in the spring
1: i'll uh, I'll go back for turkey season and then I'll be back here and go to go to Africa. so
2: I do appreciate the wings. I do
1: I do what I can. I didn't yeah. get a bird last year. Yeah. Jason did, but uh, but I didn't yeah um, but um, yeah, the turkey situation was grim. We had you know, butt deep snow. All winter, and I think that I think that affected the turkeys. Here, we'll yeah. see. I'll I'll know better this year when I get to look around and get some trail cameras out and that sort of thing.
0: Yep. No, it'll be fun. I'm excited to go bow hunt for white tails next. Yeah, or wheelie bow hunting for white tails oh, next week.
2: <laughs> Man, the, the group text you're talking about, calling
0: that the easy button, the, the easy button. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, I just was said it. I, yeah, sorry, Nick. I, you, I just say it because it makes you it pisses you yeah, off. <laughs> I think and, a lot. I just had said it once, and then and and so yeah, I it, got the bow set up, and oh, this is at seventy seventy yards. <laughs> there's such you a do, difference. It's just different. Yeah, there. You know, there's. It's like on in in it looks. Like, it depends on how you look at it. In some ways, like relatively speaking, it's much, much, much. Much easier to shoot than yeah. than a recurve, but but that doesn't mean it's easy.
2: No, there's a whole it comes with and its there, own and problems. And there, yeah,
0: there are things about it that are not as easy or nice and simple as a as a recurve. I mean, but it's fun. I like I like shoot, I don't shoot it as much as I I like. It's one of the reasons I like shooting recurve so much because I have to shoot it so frequently to stay proficient in this one yeah you know could not touch it for two or three weeks pop out within two shots it's dropping them back in there but i th- i think you know i mean i if i'd been i'd bring my recurve if i'd been had been shooting it more but i think some ways you know up close especially you got a little bit better advantage if you're shooting proficiently with a recurve. Yeah. There's so much stuff. Yeah, it's so much stuff you don't have to worry about. But
2: so I, I've never hunted with a compound, but I had one for. A, it was a cheapie off at a Craigslist, but it had it. You know the release and the sights and so on, and uh, it just didn't turn my crank. It was cool to be shooting beer cans at at twenty, thirty, forty yards, dropping them right on there, but uh, it didn't turn the crank. And then I got a halfway decent recurve and it was like a fire was lit and I had to go get the stuff.
0: It's kind of the same. It's the same way with me, but it's fun, especially after learning, doing a bunch of the coaching training and stuff like learning more about it. It's, it's its own kind of game, but yeah, I'm excited. It should be fun. Go, go make up for not killing Yeah, stuff this fall. Just to care who I gotta eat <laughs> I'm on the dog food diet this year, so tell I'm us about a, something
2: Avenging your lettuce, Pete from the porch, avenging oh. your lettuce
1: <laughs> yeah years years ago i um in the house I lived in before, I knew that um there were moose around, in fact, I had had to put up a fence around my garden, and I knew that it was exactly 26 yards <laughs> from the porch to the center of the the uh, vegetable patch. And so the uh, the night before the uh, the last last day in August, night before the season opened, I um, I opened the opened the gate <coughs> in case the moose wanted into the vegetable garden and I had harvested most of the most of the stuff. But um, actually, I went goose hunting that morning out in the Isles and Ag area. I had a buddy that had a farm out there, shot so a bunch of geese, and I came home and <clears throat> I took a shower, got out of the shower, and as many people do, I was drying off, um, and I slipped on a just a pair of shorts, and I looked out the window, and there was a moose. <laughs> Slurping up broccoli plants in <laughs> that in the garden, twenty six feet or twenty six yards measured yards from the from the end of the porch. So I picked up my bow and one arrow, <laughs> stepped out on the porch and let fly. Well, I had calculated that if I left the gate open, the moose would go in the gate, and it did. Um, what I had not Oh no! <laughs> figured out was that the moose would probably not come back out Oops. through the gate <laughs> it, it was a little bull and i and I stuck it and it did not come back out the gate. It went through the fence, <laughs> but then it 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 just went the other side of the driveway and and laid down and and died so that was that was one of the shortest packing jobs that I ever had. It was like thirty yards from the <laughs> from the garage. Oh, no. Worked out, worked out well. So I had a bunch of geese and a moose all in one day. Oh, man.
0: And a shower.
1: And a shower. (laughs) Yeah, by the time I got done, I needed another shower.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's pretty good, but.
1: Yeah. I avenged my
2: broccoli. Broccoli. (laughs) That's what it was, broccoli.
0: Oh, nice. Well, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll let you. I know the, the batteries might be running out on your life alert. let you get back to a charging port pete (laughs) but Uh, no it's been
1: i'm gonna go eat some supper is what i'm gonna do yep that
0: sounds like a plan it's been been great to have you over and uh, i mean always fun to hear stories nobody else may appreciate them but we do
1: we sure do, Pete. <laughs> well, some people are because they're buying the book.
0: Yep, they
2: ought to.
1: And nobody's nobody's asked for a refund yet. <laughs> well, I said one guy asked me to sign it twice, but yeah, uh, <laughs> well, he was fixing to ask a third time, but he turned
2: his alarm off instead of hitting snooze. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: oh man, yeah. Well, uh, and if yeah, like I said, if uh, if you're if you're interested in getting Pete's book, which you should. Rewind this back to the beginning and... uh, Mail him a check. And mail him a check. Or
1: just mail me a check to Post Office Box 71561 Fairbanks 99707. Pete Bust. There you are. And
0: then then mail him another check with your address so he can send the book. (laughs) (laughs) I have had that conversation. Send me a book. Any
1: particular place you'd like it sent?
0: (laughs) All right. Well. If uh, if you enjoy Tundra Talk, I appreciate it if you leave a good review on iTunes or whatever plat- platform you listen on, and uh, go buy Pete's Pete's book. Thanks.